You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. Riding shotgun with me today is Christina Dennis. Hi How there. Doing, Christina? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How are you? I am doing wonderful. Thank you so much for asking. Episode Good. number 75 today, ooh, ooh, February old. 16th, 2022. Can you believe it? I, I can because it's here, but 75 is a lot. That's awesome, Damon. It is. We're at uh-huh. 75. We're going to soon, you know, probably in the next couple of weeks, we'll be at 100 and we have to have like a 100 party. I yes. Think. Yes, we do. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's only because of everybody that's listening here. Thanks to everybody who's listening on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram TV, and all of your favorite podcast channels. We would not be at episode 75 if it was not for the Recovered Life community. That's right. Absolutely. We need you. So thank you all so much for joining us here today with episode 75. We've got a great show today. I want to talk about dry January, Mm -hmm. Uh, even though it's February. We're in the middle of February. Right. Dry January. And I read this article that was super interesting. And uh, I wanted wanted your opinion on it, Christina. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about dry January. We also, in the show, we're going to talk. We've got a great, I have a great interview. Yes. With Gabri Agello coming up about the pink cloud. I love. Who doesn't her. like talking about pink cloud. Isn't she great? She is really, really great. I love. Gabri I love your so, interviews. Gabri is so amazing because of her energy. Is just mm-hmm. really neat. Well, what do you call Gabri? Is she a Gen Z? Yes, I believe Gen so. Z. Is I'm anything- a Gen X. I'm a Gen <laughs> X. I know that. Me too. Me too. And then okay. it was millennials, and then Gen Z. Is what I understand. But there, there may be more. Well, you know, what's interesting about this uh, interview that I've got coming up is how open the Gen Zs are to recovery, just recovering out loud. So true. Shocking. It's beautiful. It really is. It is. It is nice. And that leads me into this whole dry January thing, Christina. Um, You know, I I found this article. I stumbled upon this article and I'm going to open it up here on screen so people can see it uh, because I think it's uh, I think it's worth the discussion here. Um, and it is all about, uh, it's, it's all about dry January. It says coming off dry January, stay sober, curious in February. Yay. Yay. It's from the news (laughs) Herald, right? Okay. Okay. It's it's from the, it's from the news Herald. And, uh, the interesting thing about this, what, what, why I really found this to be such an interesting article is. Sarah O'Brien, who doesn't really say, right, whether she's sober or not. No, she doesn't say that. But there's some, I mean, you have to wonder with some of the things that she suggested. You really do. So I know she's not saying everybody has to get sober. And I like that. She's not. She's not. But what's interesting about this is I have to tell you something. This whole sober curious movement, Christina. Right. This whole thing and this whole dry January. I have mixed feelings about this. You know, I, I know. Do. I know you do. We differ on this. We yes, differ we on do. This. Yes, we have a different opinion. I think in the long run, it's so awesome to see this in mainstream. And it's so nice to see, you know, the general mass picking up this idea that perhaps we need to look at our relationship with alcohol. Um, And if they take, if, if it's on the newspaper and we're talking about it and it becomes more mainstream, less shame happens around uh, if you have a problem with drinking. 
I'm not so interested in the label. For me, it's really easy to call myself an alcoholic because uh, I know that that's how I drink. But being an interventionist, I also know that you don't have to hit that bottom. And some people could possibly get sober from this or prevent themselves from maybe moving forward into this situation. So I think it's great. Okay, I'm agreeing with you on this. I definitely mm -hmm. am agreeing with you on this. Although, although I have to okay. put a, a big butt in there. Yeah, big caveat. B-U-T, okay? <laughs> um, I think this is also sometimes a little potentially dangerous how to so? people who do have addiction problems, okay? Mm -hmm. Thinking that somehow they're going to be able to stop to them for a month and just to be able to come back mm -hmm. and everything is going to be fine. Everything sure. is going to be fine, right? And I think in some ways it prolongs it prolongs people from, from really kind of taking action to get sober. Now I might be wrong. So I see the good, I see the good part that you're seeing as well that, you know, look, it brings awareness. Right. Not everybody drinks. Not everybody, Not everybody drinks. drinks and uses I didn't know that when I first got sober. I had no idea that there was huge groups of people and that there were these amazing supportive communities, which she also covers in the actual article. Um, I like that she is asking the question that if you are having obsessive thoughts or perhaps you're noticing there's a difference between you and others, you know, yes, and yes. what you're thinking about, like, I cannot wait until February 1st comes, I'm going to get smashed. I like that she brings up those questions in black and white for people to look at. And she does talk about getting involved with a support group that perhaps it's a lifestyle support group, or it's a 12 step group like I came through, where we are really hitting the problem head on. And um, I like us having the conversation totally beforehand. Okay, I'm with it. And you know, one of the things that she points out here, I'm just going to read this. It says, mentally and emotionally, cutting back on al alcohol typically leads to better moods. Mm -hmm. Alcohol is a depressant, yep. which is why you might feel down after drinking. Additionally, alcohol can affect the levels of serotonin and other neurotransmitters in the brain and right. worsen anxiety. But you're right. She does. She talks about the health. This is a lot about the health benefits. And there's of, so many of not there drinking. Really are. And, and no, there, there, there really is. And I think, um, but, but let's be, but let's be honest here. Do you think people that have addiction problems worry about the health benefits? <laughs> I know I didn't. <laughs> exactly. I, didn't. I know I didn't either. I but, didn't either. But I do think that this could be perhaps what they call a gray area drinker who isn't realizing, you know, you know, as well as I do that we have a genetic component as well as a lifestyle component to being uh, having a problem with substance or having a substance abuse disorder. And only 50% of people uh, actually have the genetic code. So perhaps this is a little eye opener for the other 50%. No, I didn't care about my health at all, obviously. But I also think there's so much out there that celebrates the drinking culture that it's really nice to see something coming around and having these trends where we actually say, no, you could live a life without that. You know, it isn't all just have fun. Uh, we just finished the Super Bowl and you know how many millions of dollars go into that yes. advertising. And for somebody who has a substance abuse problem like me, it's a lie. So I, I like it personally. So I, here's one thing, and, and I'm in agreement on, on, on a couple of things here with you. Okay. One thing is like when I first got sober, you know, in the early nineties, um, I didn't know anyone who was sober. Right. I'd exactly. never heard of people that I didn't even know it was possible that people live sober. Like I didn't even think that was a thing. 
Right. I thought everybody drank. Me right too. now, partially that just has to show you that like I was wrapped up in alcoholism. Yes. Right. But two, the awareness just wasn't there. It isn't. It wasn't. It wasn't there. Let's be honest. Right. No. It the wasn't. awareness wasn't there. And this is good. And I think this whole gray area drinker. And I think. The whole thing with gray area drinking is have they crossed the line? Have they not crossed the line? Now, right. we know through 12 steps and just right data from us living sober. Yes. Must be able to see it. There are people who have addiction problems and might be preconditioned to alcoholism, but sure. have not crossed the line. Right. And then there's people who have crossed the line and they can never get back. Right. So, true. so I do think that maybe in some way, that this actually uh, could prevent people from it's like, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm about right across the line. Right. No, I don't think anyone knows where that line is, right? But I'm about right across, but I don't now, maybe because I have awareness, hey, this doesn't work for me and I'm just going to set this down. I have to believe people like that exist because I've heard stories about that. Now, for me, there was no imaginary line. I want to make yeah. that clear. I crossed it the first time that alcohol, quote, worked. Um, I totally did and didn't have any option to get, um, well, I had options. I could have kept drinking, but I didn't have any option for me to live my life yes. and with alcohol. So I'm saying this based on what I've heard, but I do believe there are people out there that can stop drinking or slow it down. It never would have worked for me. So if anybody's out there and you're struggling or having these obsessive thoughts, I want you to pay attention to them because they are really important, just like she said in the article. And get in with the support group and explore. I like the idea of sober curious too, because I think that the less shame we have around this, the better it is for everyone involved. So I'm all for dry January. I'm all for staying sober curious. And I really am for the communities that are talking about this. I believe that's important. Yes, yes. I think the discussion is the more valuable part of this, whether, whether somebody decides, you know, whether it's like a, a soccer mom or soccer dad right. in Cleveland that decide that they're going to, you know, wow, I'm just going to stay sober for a month mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, maybe not have the, that beer on the weekend or that glass of wine and just to bring awareness to it. Hey, yes. the more the merrier. I think that discussion is great, but I, I do, do I, you know, going back, the whole thing is it does it stop addiction. Does no. It stop? And it's interesting. I, I don't think it does, to be honest with you. I, I think actually it's sometimes kind of, it sometimes could trick people who kind of already know deep down inside that they're maybe an alcoholic or drug addict. True. And they're going to use this to say, see, I was able to make it, you know, a week into dry January or whatever. And right. I just chose not to drink. Right. Yeah. And, and, or to drink, you know? And so I think and it's interesting because we put a poll up on the recovered life. Okay. What uh, do you say? Does well, this is interesting. We asked people. Mm -hmm. We said, "Hey, you know, does does this work? Does it? Do you think that this is like preventing addiction at all?" And we we put it up this morning. And I'm gonna, you know, while we talk here, I'm gonna take a look and see uh, totally what the results interested. were. But people were starting to vote right away, of course, because I think people have really strong opinions about Absolutely. This. And if you're somebody like me who has gotten such a uh, so many gifts from sobriety, most of the time we are really passionate about other people being able to receive those gifts too. I mean, that's what the Recovered Life Show is about, is learning how to live that really good life without needing to numb. And I would say our entire world is in a position where they want to numb 
And so having these conversations to say, wow, am I doing this? Am I moving yeah. forward? is very, very important. Well, this is funny. We put that we actually asked the people on Recovered Life. And guys, if you're if you are listening to this on a podcast and uh you can't see the graphic, you can go to Recovered Life and, and join up totally for free and cast your vote as well. It says, do you think January helps prevent drug and alcohol abuse? You're gonna you're gonna love this. Zero percent said yes. <laughs> Zero. Now these are all people in recovery. Sure. 50% of the people said possibly it could. Yes. And 50% of the people said no. Now, see, I, I was I was in the 50% of possibly. Possibly it could at least plant the seed. And I think that's okay. really, really good. So I what really we know do. is that 50% of the people who voted here on Recovered Life are optimists. And 50% are pessimists. <laughs> I didn't say that. You're putting words in my mouth. I didn't say uh, that. Just some of us may be a little more open. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I go back to what I said earlier, which is when you have such a beautiful transformation like I did, and you know that the life I'm living in the last 25 years would not be anything like, um, like it is now unless I had made this decision, then more than anything, I want people to have that option. I want them to know that it's out there. I really, really do. One thing too is uh, the Recovered Life show really is about that yeah. kind of conversation. And so for anybody who uh, is interested and wants to support us as we continue to send this message out, one of the ways that you can support us is by liking and following and sharing these kinds of shows wherever you listen to them. Wow. Because so I think important. the more it gets out there, the more lives we save. And that might be yeah. seriously dramatic, but it's true. Alcohol yeah. is still dangerous. Oh, alcohol is very dangerous. People die of alcoholism all the time. And, you know, if right. you're in the recovery, if you're really deep into recovery or in your case where you work in recovery. Right. You've seen it. You see people die. People die all the time. Absolutely. Of alcohol, untreated alcoholism. Absolutely. And sometimes they even die of mental health issues and they die uh, they die, uh, because of other issues related, right. Untreated alcoholism. Right. Absolutely. I, yeah. I, prior to working in recovery, I was in the hotel business and it yeah. was very, very unsafe for people to get to a place where they had right. consumed so much and we had to prevent them and everybody connects it with driving, but it's actually, it's actually not that great for anybody to get that inebriated. So yeah, something to yep. think about. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, 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 and thank you for mentioning how people can support us because people do contact us. Yes, you know, either through YouTube, uh, Facebook, all these places, and they talk about, you know, they talk about, hey, how can I report uh, support the Recovered Life Show? Right. And one of the ways that you can do it is just very simply, it's to like, share, and follow. It's just yes. like, share, and follow. It means it means so much to us. It really, really does. Great. Now, uh, moving on here, Christina, Yeah, moving on to our first segment here, which is our second segment here, which is uh, my interview with Gabri Agello. Uh, now, see, fun, she's an fun, example. Fun. Yes, she is absolutely. She's an example, example about how you can live a life in recovery at an early age. And I loved this interview that you had with her. I can't wait to hear what people think about it. It is, it is really, really, really great. So we're going to go to that segment right now. And okay. I'm going to speak with Gabrielle Jello all about the pink cloud. And then Yay. we're going to come back and uh, we're going to have a little bit of a chat about it. All right.
You're listening to The Recovered Life Show. Welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. I am pleased to be joined today by our friend, Gabri Agello, who is a recovering out loud social media influencer and has been a guest on the show before and so thrilled to have her back. How are you doing, Gabri? I'm great. I'm so excited to be back on the show. I am really excited to have you. You know, we always have really good conversations. And what what I really love about you is that you really shine a light on early recovery, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a couple of years now, and we've watched you through being on the Recovered Live show go through this journey. And we were having this conversation on the phone about, about the whole honeymoon period, being sober, right? And about how, how fun that is when you first realize that, wow, I'm going to be able to regain and stay sober, but also that those feelings sometimes kind of end, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, sometimes expectations, you know, kill with sobriety. And so for me, I didn't know there was a honeymoon phase. I was just like, oh, this is how it's going to be always. Um, excuse my dog. Um, and so for me, when, you know, it, it ended and I had to figure out, okay, like I've been surviving um, being sober, but how do I really thrive? Like I'm actually, you know, not thriving the way I should. Um, it really threw me for a loop and really like discouraged me, honestly. Um, and so for me, the biggest advice is to, as hard as this is, and nobody likes to do this, is to really sit and validate those negative feelings. Um, for me, I didn't do that. And so I felt super, super guilty. I was like, I've been given this like amazing chance to kind of, you know, rewrite, you know, my life and be sober. Um, and so I kind of felt like, you know, so many people would love to be in the position that I'm in. Um, and so why, why do I feel these negative feelings? And so when I was judging them, I actually, you know, wasn't processing them and, you know, letting go of them. So that is definitely the first thing I would say is you are absolutely valid in feeling that. I think anybody that's going through this has felt that at certain like periods of time, super valid. Um, so don't beat yourself up for it. Yeah. I mean, and let's be honest that just the, the first part of sobriety, especially the first couple of months, right? I would say even the first year is just so shocked that you're sober and right. so grateful for the fact that you're not, you know, you're not at death's door, right? You're not oh, waking up. The ramifications start to go away a little bit. You start to be able to repair things. And then it starts to get a little bit more real either after six months to a year, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that we were talking about that I think it's really great to have a conversation about because I think a lot of people, they start to beat themselves up and they're like, well, I should be more grateful. And mm-hmm. maybe sometimes they're a little bit still sad that they're not drinking. They kind of wake up out of this honeymoon period, mm-hmm. right? Can you describe that a little bit? Those feelings of like waking up and it's like, oh, I really can't go there and I, I can't drink ever again. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for me, I got sober, like my first year sober really was in the pandemic, like in the heat of the pandemic. So I didn't have those temptations of, oh, I'm seeing people go out. Nobody was out. (laughs) Everybody was home. And so for me, after, you know, that year mark and things started to open up and I saw, you know, other people my age going out and getting invited to go out and things like that. Um, you know, go out because I was like, you know, I'm not going to, you know, limit myself, um, obviously set boundaries when going out. Um, but I was like, man, like, I wish I could do that. I wish I didn't have to think so critically and so hard about every decision 
like, you know, I make and how it's going to affect my mental health. And I kind of was jealous of the people around me that seemed to be able to be so carefree and kind of, you know, just uh, navigate the world and especially the social sphere with ease. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was definitely hard. Um, it was, it was very devastating. Um, and like I said, I, I started to judge myself. Um, I was, I feel like a lot of people get really stuck with this, like all or nothing thinking, um, two like opposing things can be true at once. And once I realized that, that kind of changed everything for me. Um, so when I realized like, okay, in this situation, I could acknowledge like, you know, I'm 23 kind of stinks that I just can't go out and, you know, go to the club and drink with my friends while also acknowledging that if I did indulge in that and I did drink it would be the worst downhill spiral ever. Exactly. And you know, some of it too, we were talking about how funny it is kind of how our minds play tricks on us. And Mm -hmm. what's so interesting about recovery and about, you know, going through recovery year after year is that even you maybe see those people going out and, you know, you're younger. So people are going out and doing that. And with COVID for two years, people have been basically locked down, right? So you've, you haven't really had that situation, but you see it and you're like, wow, maybe that would be fun to go do it. But really you weren't having fun when you were doing that. Right. So, you know, it's not going to be fun, but it's just the fact that you feel that you're losing something that you don't really want. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's weird how our minds play tricks on us. Yeah. said, sorry about my dog. He's speaking. Um, But I feel like when, when something, you know, you haven't indulged in something for a bit and um, you know, you haven't been around that lifestyle in a bit, you kind of romanticize, you know, how things used to be. You remember in your mind, oh, when I was drinking, I was doing all this crazy stuff and it was fun. That wasn't actually the case. If I could rewind time and talk to my past self and be like, how, why do you remember it this way? This was horrible. Um, but I think we kind of all get in that trap. We love to, you know, remember the good and we kind of forget the bad. I'm like, Oh, maybe, you know, this wouldn't be so bad, but um, I think we all kind of get into that loop. So, but six months into it, let's say you would have maybe fallen for that, right. If it was strong enough, or you would have been led down that road. Well, maybe I can just go and, you know, you would have maybe put yourself in a bad situation, but now, you know, after you're in it a year plus it's not, you, you realize that that's just self-talk, right? That's just talk coming at you. That's not, it's not even real necessarily. Yeah, absolutely. I'm honestly like mourning something that actually was never there to mourn. I feel Um, I'm mourning like the idealized version of my past drinking self that wasn't actually there. Um, And while I can say that and be like, you know, that was the idealized, it wasn't real the feelings that I have are still very real. And so I try to, you know, not judge myself for that and still validate my feelings and be like, like, yeah, like give myself, you know, some room to mourn that. Um, Because I feel like if you don't acknowledge that you're not going to actually have sustainable sobriety, you're just going to be, you know, fighting against that. And it's going to be this like combative thing instead of, you know, just focusing on um, your path of healing. So Yeah. And one of the things I love about what you do in social media, you're always on TikTok and Instagram and you're, you know, you're expressing what you're feeling, but you're also expressing a solution as well. And, you know, I I think this whole recovering out loud thing too, makes it a little different because there is more pressure, right? Like if people know that you're in recovery, sometimes you feel like, well, 
I have to have everything together. I have to have every answer. I have to be perfect all the time. And that's really unrealistic to put yeah. on ourselves that somehow we have to be perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I've definitely, you know, felt that pressure, not even just from, you know, the people around me and people that have reached out to me and been like, oh my gosh, you're an inspiration, things like that. I felt that I put that on myself um, because I was so out there. I was like, oh my gosh, if I say that I'm struggling um, and I'm giving people advice, I'm like, oh, she can't even handle, you know, her own sobriety. Why am I going to take advice from her? Um, when really I feel like, you know, everybody struggles with this. And so I want it to be as real as possible because, you know, everybody feels this way, even the public figures that may not always talk about the struggle, the struggle is always there. Um, and so if I'm going to be open about sobriety, I'm going to be open about all parts of it. And so that's kind of just, you know, why I'm, I'm as open as I am. You know, and I think a, a lot of recovering recovery resources are really centered around people who are coming into recovery, right? And mm. I think what's very powerful about what you said, and I'd like to dive into this a little bit, is that when people that are in recovery express what's going on with them, it's really a relief to other people because many people feel this way, right? Many yeah. people feel like, hey, it's just not going well for me this week. Right. But they don't want to express it because they don't want to say, well, I'm in recovery. I shouldn't, everything should be perfect. I'm so right. lucky I didn't die. I'm so lucky that I'm not, you know, didn't have any major ramifications. I'm here. Right. And by not expressing it, I think it, it, it hurts people's recovery and other people around you in your group. Right. And yeah. what, what's been the, you know, what, what has been your experience with recovering out loud on TikTok and expressing that? Do you find that more people are like, wow, I, I feel that way too? Um, yes, I think there's definitely a generational difference. I found that a lot of younger people, like if you look at anybody my age and their TikTok, like extremely personal stuff, jokes about things that, you know, past generations may have been like, you don't joke about that or you don't talk about that. So um, my generation has been very perceptive. Um, I have found a little bit of a disconnect um, in the older generation. It's kind of like, you know, well, you need to be grateful for you know your sobriety and and things like that but i'm kind of like if we all are feeling this why isn't this talked about and it just becomes this taboo and it kind of just festers and how can you actually lean on and get support from your you know sober community if you don't share your whole sober experience with them i feel like like you said there's you're missing a huge chunk if you're not talking about you know the struggle if there was no struggle there would be no need for a sober community to lean on. Like, yeah. Just and if somebody's listening, yeah. If somebody's listening to this too, Gabri, they might be saying, oh, wow. You know, second year, third year, whatever, sorry, is going to be very, very difficult, but you're not really saying that you're just saying that some, you know, sometimes you hit this impasse where kind of that pink cloud, that honeymoon period's over. And that's when the real recovery begins, right? Yeah. How, how did you get out of, you know, you have these feelings, you stay in it for a little bit. What mm -hmm. tools did you apply to get out of that and kind of back on track or to a new plateau? Yeah. Um, before I get into that, I, I do just want to say like all of this stuff comes in waves. Um, so, you know, I'll apply a certain, you know, technique or, or a therapy that I've learned 
and it does help, but things do come in waves. So I try not to, you know, judge myself when it comes back. And I'm like, wait, I just worked on this. Um, but the best thing for me is when I learned about dialectical behavioral therapy, um, have, like I talked about it a little bit earlier where, you know, two opposing things could be true at once. Um, I feel like I am very much an all or nothing person by nature. It's like, I'm having the best time of my life or this is trash. So when I started to, you know, have a rough time, my sobriety all or nothing, I'm like, is this trash? Huh? Like, I don't think it is, but that's kind of my feeling. And so being able to, you know, do the both and type thinking to kind of get through it really helped. Um, also too, I said this in my other episodes with you and I'll say it again, healthy distractions. Um, for me, I think a reason why I did drink is because I was craving some sort of, you know, um, you know, recklessness or, or something like that. Um, and so I try to still get that feeling, but in a controlled and, and healthy way. Like I love to get tattooed. I love to, you know, work out, be super physical. Um, I try to, you know, not change who I am at my core, but just kind of alter, you know, some of the things that I do so that I stay on like a healthy path. Yeah. I think that, I think the key is, is what you just said, which is very important to anybody who's listening to this, that might be going through a rough time. Look, it's the, we just wrapped up the holidays. We're in 2022 and early and people are feeling, wow, maybe my life isn't where I want it to be in sobriety. Right. But what I loved what you said is that these things, these feelings pass. And I think that this is a, I think that this is a really big uh, point that you make is that, you know, you might feel bad for a while, but if you keep working the tools and you keep talking to people and you keep doing the deal and you keep exploring, eventually that it passes and, it, and something else comes in. Absolutely. Like I love as cliche as this is, I love the analogy of like the wave like it comes on super strong and, and you honestly feel like you are never going to get past this feeling. You're like, I'll always feel this way. But then as soon as it comes, it crashes down. You're like, Oh, like, you know, that feeling, you know, that's gone and I'm okay. And sometimes for me too, I kind of like to journal when I feel both ways, kind of like, you know, when I'm feeling better, I kind of drone to myself being like, Gabri, you felt this way before you're going to feel it again, but you're okay. And it's going to pass because I was there. Um, so that also does like really help me too. That's great. And, you know, just being able to see those patterns and to be able to stop your thinking. I think that's just such a valuable lesson to anyone that's new in recovery. Gabri, mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I always love being on the show. Wow. Wow. That was great, right? She's, she's brilliant. I mean, truly. And uh, I think that, you know, one of the last things you said was if you're new in recovery, I think that that applies to everybody in recovery, yeah. remembering that it doesn't last. It's why I love doing this show because a lot of times people think that the quitting drinking is the end of the story. And for me, that was actually the beginning of a really big, complicated news story. Yep. And, you know, the pink cloud phenomena happened to me. Uh, and I, I remember people kind of whispering about it, but I don't remember a lot of people talking about, 
when that goes away, the feelings may show up or you're not doing it wrong. That was the other thing that I really gleaned from her interview mm, with you. Yes, you're yes. not doing it wrong if you're having yes. these feelings. And that's what we're here to talk about is what happens when you have six months, a year, you know, two years, three years and something shows up in your life and, and you have the ability to withstand it and to understand it and not judge it. Oh my gosh, that really hit me. And for those it. of you guys that are just joining us on the live stream, you're listening to the Recovered Life Show. We just did an I just did a really good interview with Gabri Agello, a Gen Z social media influencer, also sober, talking about the pink cloud. And I'm here with my co-host and partner in crime, Christina Dennis. Hello. Uh, and you know, great comment, Christina. You know, uh I yeah, so many great things there. I don't remember thinking like this. No. When I was like a year, two years. Did you? You know, I I think that I had a lot more emotions come up maybe in my first year. And I know for me, I had to seek outside help and I needed to go yeah. to other places. And so, no, I wouldn't say that I had this belief system at one year or two years. Probably right around five or six yeah. did I start finding the places where I could talk about it. Yes, um, yes. you know, in both cases. Yes. I like what she was saying about how she journals. I was like, you gotta yes. be kidding me. <laughs> I know I'm going to have to, to pull some of those out. I love the self-talk, the remembrance and reminding yourself. Uh, I learned in early recovery that your subconscious doesn't know when you're not telling it the truth. So saying something like you're okay, you've been here before you're going to get through it again is so helpful. And when I first got yes. sober, other people told me that. Yes. And yes. that's what made me believe. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I love about this interview is, you know, we do have a lot of people that listen to the Recovered Life show and they are, you know, they're in their first year. They're maybe in mm -hmm. their first 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. And they've just, you know, they stumbled upon us on iTunes or Google or whatever. And they're like, wow, you know, um, all of a sudden I'm starting to feel good, you know? And the question of is why are you feeling good? You know, a lot of it is physical in early sobriety, I believe, don't you? I mean, I do look if you've been beating yourself up with drugs and alcohol for years, right and now, all of a sudden you're not for thirty days. You're just gonna physically feel better, well, and that's enough in the beginning, right? to yeah. uh, I've heard it before. I'm addicted to no more hangovers. And I think that's a great beginning. I know that for me, I was just shocked that I could do it. I also really related to the the loss factor of it as yes. well. You know, when uh, Gabri was speaking, first of all, people who got sober during the pandemic, my hat is off to you. That's pretty amazing. I was around people all the time, Monday through Sunday at a room, talking to somebody, working on my recovery. So those that were able to do it in their homes, I'm just, you know, so glad that they came on different platforms like this one and Clubhouse and talked about it because many, many of us, it's the isolation that we have when we stop drinking that really we struggle with. And so I love that she shared, there's a lot of loss in the beginning. Um, there's also loss later on. So once I would assume that when you start grieving is when that pink cloud kind of goes away. And you have that loss and it's very, very normal. But to remember that what we're grieving actually never existed is also really important. 
Yeah, I think the whole thing about too about this too will pass. Like yeah. that is an early thing, right? In recovery, like that you learn that is so powerful. It's just like, you know what? These feelings are going to pass. The good feelings and the bad feelings, they're going to pass. They they're so are. The and other one it's I... just the consistency of staying sober in between those feelings. Absolutely. And the other one I always heard was you'll feel better. You'll feel sadness better, angry uh, yeah. better. <laughs> and I think that yeah. was really, really helpful to say, wow, I have been you know, numbing these feelings for all this time. And they may feel like they're really, really big in the beginning. But if you stay and you continue to work on your recovery, they do go away. And then that wave may show up again, like she described. I've certainly had many things happen in my sobriety, long-term sobriety, yeah. that I was not expecting. Uh, but I've been able to hold on and it's always gotten better. Well, one of the things that I got from this interview that was really great, that really kind of put a focus on what's going on with me today was, is that I was thinking the pink cloud is something that people in early recovery experience. Mm -hmm. And that is true. You do, you know, sure. in early recovery, it's, I think it's more like, wow, I'm all, I'm feeling really great. Everything is working out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I started to realize I, I was, I, I realized, you know, after this interview, I was saying, you know what? I'm having pink clouds too. I'm just not as grateful for them as I used <laughs> uh -oh. to, right? Like, yeah, no, it's true. Like, you know, right? it's just like I have periods of time where things are working really, really well. And, and you know, I'm feeling good. I'm yes. like, everything is working, right? And then I have times where that's not happening. We, we just talked about this in the last episode. Right. Is that, you know, we we have times too where, where that's not happening. And, you know, I just don't appreciate it as much, right? I True. just don't. I don't appreciate it as much now as I should. Yeah. Or we're into over-functioning. I mean, alcohol is just the beginning for me. And so I had lots and lots of behaviors that I had to work on. I'm still working on. And one of them is sitting in the moment and actually building that neuro pathway and recognizing yes. this is what it feels like to feel good. You know, yes. prior to sobriety, I don't think there was really a moment of peace. Alcohol was the thing that I had to hold on to in order to calm down my nervous system. And now I can do it in so many other healthy ways. Yeah, this has been such a great, this has been such a great episode, Christina. Uh, thank you so much. It was, oh, you know, this whole thing of feeling good and sobriety, this pink cloud. So many people experience it. There's not a lot about it though. No. You know, people don't really go in depth. They don't go further. And that's really what Recovered Life is all about. That's what the show's about. That's what the private network is about. And guys, I just want to say if, if you know, how you can support the show is join Recovered Life. It's totally okay. for free. Yep. And you can just go to recoveredlife.us and join it. We have these deep conversations with contributors like Christina Dennis all the time. So good over there. So good. I learned... I learn every day and I also know that I'm amongst my people, the same, you know, the people who are after the same thing, that peaceful life, that life that's fun, that life that's worth living. None of us want to get sober and be miserable. Absolutely. And that's what this is about. How do you live your best recovered life? And just to do a little shameless uh, plug here. Uh, if you guys are not joining us on Clubhouse, part of it is just joining that conversation. Yes. You know, we talk about it and, and recovered life supports that online. You know, we've got qu qu quotes, we've got videos, we've got all this exclusive stuff. Contributors, you know, amazing recovery professionals are in there commenting so all the time. I was just in there, uh, you know, reading this huge conversation that had to do 
with Dry January, actually, that we put up earlier today. Right. That was all about Clubhouse. But <clears throat> if you're not joining us, we are on Clubhouse. Uh, what? It's like four days, five days? Four days, Monday through Thursday. Yeah. Yep. We have a room at 9 a.m. Pacific and 11 Central and 12 Eastern. That's about my extent of knowing time zones. Exactly. <laughs> but they're good. They're really good. A lot of a lot of people show up and share, and you'll know that you're not alone. Plus, we bring in experts, so it's a very yeah. very good conversation over there. Yeah. Join join us, guys. Join us on Clubhouse. All you have to do is find the Recovered Life Room or uh, find Christina and I on Clubhouse. We're on there, Damon Frank, Christina Dennis, yep. and you know, uh, follow us there, and we'll definitely turn you on to uh, what rooms we're doing in Clubhouse. An amazing episode. Uh, Thank you. Episode 75 coming to an end. There you end. go. There I can't you go. believe it. So we will see everybody back on Recovered Life soon. So have a great uh, February 16th, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a beautiful day and evening. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.